attention from the series in Genesis, as I was saying, uh, and just really been in the Psalms quite a bit through uh, this time that we have been going through as a church, as a nation, as a community, and uh, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to digging into this wonderful passage of scripture here and hope you're able to tune in with us here today. I, I will mention to you, because I know some of you are probably wondering, who is the guy up there playing the banjo? <laughs> uh, but that is Eric Eric Fisher is with us today, and he's, he's come to our church a couple times, and he texted me earlier this morning and said, can, we, can I come and play my banjo? And I said, anytime somebody has a banjo, they are welcome to come. <laughs> and uh, so I'm glad he's able to join in with us here today, and I hope you'll be able to meet him when we can gather back together. I'll tell you this, when we get back together, all the church family together, it's going to be a happy reunion day together. <laughs> I'm already looking forward to it. I don't know how all this is going to go, but I'm already looking forward to the day when we can. Uh, but Psalm chapter 121 in your Bibles this morning. And in the wake of the coronavirus, many people today are worried and they're depressed. And you can see the fear written on their faces by their facial expressions for many of them. I'm sure you've seen some of this like I have. Uh, over, over these past two weeks, really, I, I heard the story about a young man who was fresh out of college. He trained to be an accountant. And he saw a wanted ad posted in the paper that he responded to. And uh, he got called up to have an interview with a man who had a small accounting firm that he wanted to interview him about get, uh, hiring this young man into, into his firm. And uh, the owner told the young man, I need someone with an accounting degree to do this job, obviously. But mainly, I'm looking for someone to do all of my worrying for me. And the young man said, excuse me? He said, yeah, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of concerns that I have with this company about money, and I want someone else to do all my worrying for me about all of the money that has to happen with my business. And the young man said, I see, I see. Well, how much does the job pay? And the owner said, $80,000 a year. And he said, $80,000 a year? Well, how in the world can a small company like this afford to pay me $80,000 a year? And the owner said, that, my boy, is your first worry. <laughs> now, that's an interesting thing. But you know, the truth is, a lot of people are being overcome with worry in our day and time. And the fact is, most of the things that we worry about are concerns that never come to fruition. They're things that never actually happen, but we consume ourselves with worrying about them. A husband once asked his wife, who always seemed to be worried, why are you worrying when it doesn't do any good? And the wife said, of course it does good. 90% of the time, the things that I worry about don't happen. It's true. It's true. We're so prone to allow ourselves to become worried and depressed about things that will never actually happen in our lives. And I think it's important for us during this day and time to be reminded in a time when so many people are focused downward. They're depressed, they're discouraged, they're worried, they're concerned with the things of this lifetime. In a time when, somebody, when it seems like so much of society's focus is downward. God invites us to lift up our eyes. And that's what we find on the pages of Scripture in Psalm 121, beginning in verse number 1. Look at it with me there in your Bibles, if you would. If you're there, say amen. amen. All right, now the good thing is we have most of our ameners here, okay? So it's not going to sound any different <laughs> than if the whole church family was here. But you've got to help me when I say, say amen. Uh, we're, we're, you're going to have to help me out a little bit here this morning, all right? So if you're there with me, say amen. amen. And uh, you, I guess you all are just going to have to say amen in your seat at home or, or comment amen or something. I don't know. Uh, but Psalm 121, notice what the Lord says in verse number one. He says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. And church, let me say to you this morning, in a time when so many people are looking down on all that is going around them, I believe now more than ever that God is calling us to lift up our eyes to the one who is our help. We're going to discover and uncover 
and unpack this truth from Scripture together this morning. As Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 says, we need to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, to the Lord from whom my help comes from. And so let's bow our heads this morning and let's ask God to use this passage of Scripture to speak to our hearts today because we need this truth. And let's pray together and ask God to do it. Father, we come before you, and Lord, you know this is different. This whole uh, way we're doing church right now is different. Um, But Lord, the fact is, um, you're still the same. Your word is still just as true as it was last week when we could gather. And I'm glad you're the same. And Lord, we look to you. We look to your word for you to speak to us. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you do something I certainly can't minister to the needs of every person uh, gathered with us here today. And Lord, I just pray that you would encourage our hearts, challenge us to practice our faith in this day in which we live. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Now, as we look at Psalm 121, uh, notice how this psalm begins. For many of you, it starts with a heading before the verses even start. Do you have? Do y'all have that in there? You have that heading at the top of the psalm. Well, what does it say? It says a song of degrees. Now that word degrees, it comes from a Hebrew word that literally talks of uh, uh, stepping up or your thoughts ascending up. Uh, some some refer to it as a song of ascent. Um, of someone who is rising, if you would. And so this was a pilgrim psalm. It's one of 14 psalms labeled in this way. Psalms of degrees, psalms of ascents. And I believe it was written by a pilgrim worshiper who, though he was far off from the hills of Jerusalem, looked to those hills of Jerusalem as a reminder of the place where he would go to worship the Lord in that day and time, the temple. He knew it wasn't the hills where his help came from. He knew it wasn't the temple from where his help came from, but what those hills represented and what that temple represented, the Lord was who his help came from. And so imagine, if you would, a pilgrim on a journey, uh, and I don't know who he was, I don't know where he was going, but he was a pilgrim on a journey looking back home and finding his hope on those hills. Let me tell you something this morning. The word of God makes clear that we as believers are like pilgrims traveling through this world. This world is not our home. We're on a journey through this world. We're headed home. And I'm looking forward to a glad reunion day for all of us one day when we get up in heaven. I'm looking forward to gathering here together as a church family again one day soon. That's a little piece of heaven on earth, but boy, what a day that's going to be. When we gather in that place, but the Bible tells us, just like that psalmist was a pilgrim looking to those hills of Jerusalem as a a reminder of where his help came from. Friend, you and I don't need to look far to be reminded of where our help comes as well because we're pilgrims on our way passing through this world. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11, it refers to us as strangers and pilgrims in this world. Let me tell you something. If you're having a hard time feeling at home in this world, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. God never intended for us to, to run our roots down deep on this earthly, on this earthly uh, shore. No, there's a heavenly shore that we're headed to someday. And friend, that's where our eternal home is waiting for us. The Bible speaks of this, this place in 1 Peter 1 and verse 4 as, as an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. My friend Jesus himself told us about this place in John chapter 14. When he said in John 14 and verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And then he said, whither I go, ye know, and the way, you know. And just a couple verses later, they asked him, well, how do we get there? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Friend, if you're listening today, if you're here today, and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you have found a very horrible home in this world. It is corrupt. It is messed up. There's not much hope in it. But I can introduce you to someone today who can give you an eternal home. 
one that's far better than this one will ever be, Jesus. He's the way to heaven. He's the only way to heaven. And Jesus himself made it very clear. And so this morning, praise God that through Jesus, we have the hope of a heavenly home awaiting us as we make our journey through this cursed world. And friend, we don't have to look far to be reminded of that fact right there. And that fact ought to bring us hope, especially in the midst of all these crazy circumstances that have been happening in our day and time. And so the psalmist here in Psalm 121 as a pilgrim worshiper traveling through this world, looked up to the hills of Jerusalem, and he gave two reasons for why this gave him hope. You know, as we travel on our journey through this world, as we travel on our journey through this world, these are the same reasons that you and I need to look to, to be reminded of what brings us hope. And I'll tell you what, there are plenty of people in this world who don't understand these things. There's plenty of people in this world who are looking to other things to find their source of hope. But friend, in the midst of a world that's looking down, desperately trying to find something in this cursed world that's going to bring them hope, we, like the psalmist mentioned here in Psalm 121, get to look up. Because that's where we know our help comes from. And so I want you to notice with me this morning two reasons God invites you to lift up your eyes especially in the midst of these times in which we live. Number one this morning, the Bible challenges us to lift up your eyes to your creator. You can write that down in your notes. Lift up your eyes to your creator. Now let's read verses one and two out loud together. Let's do it together, all right? Verses one and two, here we go. The Bible says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Now, we cannot possibly know the hardships, the trials that the man who wrote this psalm, being inspired by God, what he was going through. We can't possibly know that. He gives no indication about what his problem was. But what he does give an indication about is where he knew his help was going to come from. And I tell you what, no matter what you're going through today, your problem is not so significant as the one who can solve your problem. And that is the Lord. I don't care what it is that you're going through here today, but what he did clearly state at the beginning of this psalm that, is that what he needed was some help. And I'm going to tell you this morning, in the midst of, of, of this time of need that he was going through, he looked up to the mountains, he said, and he was reminded about some things about his creator that gave him a reminder of where his help was supposed to come from. And friend, as we look around at God's beautiful creation here today, it gives us those same reminders we need to hear in this time in which we're living today. So as we look around, as we look, lift our eyes up and we look to our creator, what are some things we're reminded of? Well, first of all, you can note this down in your notes. God's creation reminds you of his greatness, of his greatness. See, verse number one says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. Now, it's translated most of the time, that same Hebrew word for hills tra translated here is translated as mountains, all right? Mountains are more significant for us here in Colorado. But I'll lift up mine eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. Now, Emily, my wife, we've lived out here in beautiful Colorado for six years now, about six years. August will be six years. And uh, we've, we've loved every minute of it. Can I tell you, after six years of waking up in beautiful Colorado, there has not been a day gone by where I have gotten over to getting to see the mountains every day. There's just something beautiful about them. This Indiana boy, we didn't have mountains in Indiana. We had cornfields, all right? Cornfields. Now, the cornfield has its own type of beauty, don't get me wrong. But I'll tell you what, I'll take the mountains every day. I'll take the mountains every day. And there's just something about the majesty of the mountains that inspires us all. See, the Bible says in Psalm 19, verse 1, that the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Look around at God's amazing creation. It reminds us of something. You know what it reminds us of? It reminds us of how truly great our God is. 
See, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 19 that the Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, by understanding hath he established the heavens. I couldn't possibly make this world and all of its intricacy and uniqueness and splendor. But there is a God in heaven who is great enough to make this world. And that same God that I look to and I'm reminded of his greatness all around as I look at this creation. That same God who is great enough to make this world. I can have full confidence that he is great enough to meet me in my time of need. To help me in my time of need. And so the great God who formed all things, you can be sure today, he is well able to help you. I like the song that we often sing, How Great Thou Art. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder, if you know it, sing it with me. Consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. He is great. And I look around at this creation, I'm reminded of that truth. God's creation reminds you of his greatness. Oh, but that's not all. The second thing the psalmist mentions here in verse number two, God's creation reminds you of his goodness. Of his goodness. Now look at verse 2 with me. The psalmist said, My help cometh from the Lord, and read the last phrase with me, which made heaven and earth. Now the word help that's used here in these two verses, verse 1 and verse 2, is the Hebrew word ezer. And it literally means aid, or it's translated back in Genesis as help meet. That's what it's talking about. An aid or a help that is meat. Now we're living in a day when people are panicking because of this coronavirus that has come up. And they're running to the stores and they're trying to do everything they can to meet their own needs. And the ones who don't think they're able to meet their own needs, they're turning to the government. Give us $1,000. Help us get through this time. Now friend, I don't belittle the situation you may be going through here today. But at some point, you've got to ask yourself, who are you turning for for help? Who are you turning to for aid? See, the Bible tells us, and especially for those of us who are believers, the Bible reminds us that we need look no further than to the Lord for our help. Now, you'll notice in verse number 2, my help cometh from the Lord. That's in a King James Bible, that's a capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. It's, it's a translation for the word Jehovah, the self-existing one. The Lord, the one who is the true God, the one who's had no beginning, who'll have no end, the Lord is able to care for his creation. I like what the Bible says in Jeremiah. It says, are there any that can cause rain, or can the heavens give showers? Hey, Brother Chapel's here this morning. I'm sure there's several times he wished he could cause it to rain. We can't do that. The Bible says, Art not thou he, O Lord our God? Therefore we will wait upon thee, for thou hast made all these things. See, the Lord made the world, and the Lord is well able to take care of the things in this world, including you and I. And so there could be no doubt that the Lord is more than fit to meet your needs, whatever it might be today. I like what Jesus told us in Matthew chapter number 6 and verse 31. He said, therefore, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what we shall drink or wherewith we'll be clothed. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And as the psalmist began to look around at the creation around him, as he goes into this time of prayer, he's far off from his homeland, but he looks back to the hills of Jerusalem. 
Jerusalem. And his heart is filled with hope because he's reminded of his Jehovah God, the one who made the heaven and the earth, the one who created everything that is. And in thinking of that truth right there, he realized that same God who made everything is well able to take care of me. You can be sure that God that created you is able to care for you, whatever is going on in your life, whatever it may be. And the Bible tells us that God, when he created this world, he created it in six days. I believe that was six literal days that God created this world. Now, it's interesting, if you read Genesis chapter 1, six different times in that passage of Scripture, within those six days, after God had created something, he paused and he looked at it and he declared something about it. You know what he said? It's good. It's good. Seventh day, the Bible says God rested from his work. All the things that he had made. And he looked at all, on that day, he looked over all of his creation and he said something else. He said, it's very good. It's very good. God does all things well, the Bible says. You can be sure the God who made this good creation is well able to do good by you as a part of his creation here today. As we look at God's creation, it reminds us of the fact summer, spring, fall, winter, they always happen. The sun always rises every day, every morning, and it sets every night. God's faithful. God's good. We see demonstrations of it tucked away for us all throughout his creation. The Bible says in Psalm 145 and verse 9 that the Lord is good to all. And his tender mercies are over all his works. And you listen to me on this thing right here. God's good to all. That's what the Bible said. That's what his creation reminds us of. And so you can be confident today. You can be absolutely confident today. No matter what the circumstances are are that are going on in your life, you can be absolutely confident that this good creator who we worship is working in your life to bring about something that is for your good And for his glory. As Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 says, We know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. Church, it's time for you to lift up your eyes. It's time for you to get your eyes off the television screen and off of your phone that's telling you all the negative things about how the world's falling apart. And it's time for you to lift up your eyes to your creator. It's time for you to look around at his creation and be reminded he can take care of you. Lift up your eyes to your creator. That's what the psalmist said first. But the second thing I want you to notice this morning about what the psalmist told us here in Psalm chapter number 121. He said, lift up your eyes to your creator. But then he said, secondly, lift up your eyes to your keeper. Lift up your eyes to your keeper. Now this is good right here. Let's read the rest of the chapter together before we dig into this. Verse number 3. The Bible says about the Lord, He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Now notice this. Six different times in these verses, verses 3 through 8, in six different times in these six verses, the psalmist used the Hebrew word shamar, which means to keep, to guard, to preserve, or to protect. And you, you can notice by those words that are used, it says keep. In verse 3, it says keep, keepeth. In verse 4, uh, uh, two times. And it, 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 it says keeper in verse number 5. It says preserve in verse number 7. And uh, two times there. And in verse number 8, it says preserve again. And, and here's what the psalmist was getting at. The psalmist knew that the Lord who was his creator was also the same Lord who was his keeper. To put it in a God is not only our provider, but he is our protector. Hey, God is not only our deliverer, but he is our defender. And this is a reassuring truth for all of us here, especially considering the circumstances that we're going through in this day and time. And so throughout the rest of this chapter in the book of Psalms, the psalmist conveys this truth and how this truth that the Lord was his keeper was so encouraging to him 
in the circumstance that he was facing. And friend, you listen to me. If you'll you'll lift up your eyes to the Lord your keeper, you too will be encouraged by these same truths as we uncover them here together today. And so what are the things that we learn about the Lord our keeper here? Well, first of all, you can note down the Lord your keeper. Hey, he will keep you from being moved. Write that down. He will keep you from being moved. The Bible says in verse number 3, let's read it out loud together. Verse number 3, let's read it out loud together. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. Now that word suffer is the Hebrew word nathan. It's most of the time translated as give. But here it's literally talking about giving someone up, giving someone over to someone else. Now just think about what that means. Let me read, read the verse again. The Lord will not give over your foot to be moved. What's that talking about? Well, here, just this. You can be sure that the God who holds everything in his hands will not allow you to be handed over to someone or to something that will cause you to waver or will cause you to fall. Friend, you are secure in the hands of our sovereign God. See, the Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 17 that by him all things consist. Hey, we used to sing the song as kids. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his, you know what I'm talking about. He's got it all. You can be sure that this God who has everything within his grasp, everything in control, this same God is not going to hand you over to some circumstance or some person to who would cause you ill or draw you away from his purpose for your life. Friend, you are secure in the hands of your keeper. That's the Lord. And this, this is an encouraging truth. Now tell you, when you're trusting in the God who's in control of everything, no matter how out of control everything else around you seems to get, let's just face it, there's some things that really seem like they're out of control today. No matter how out of control everything else around you seems to get, you can always know He is in control. He And He will hold you fast. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus compared the life of a person he called him the foolish man who built his house on sand to the life of another man, a wise man he calls him, who builds his house on a rock. And while the foolish man's house fell flat, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 25 about the wise man's house, that the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And you can be sure today, if you build your life, on the ever-shifting sands of your job security, your emotions, the status of our nation, whoever the president is, whether or not your team won the game. (laughs) We build our our lives on all types of crazy things. If you build your life on anything that this world tries to offer to you, your life is going to crumble. There's no doubt about that. But if you choose rather then putting your hope and confidence in those things, if you choose rather today to build your life on a foundation of faith in Jesus Christ, your life, you'll never fall. You'll never fall. That's what the Bible tells us. Why? Not because you're perfect, not because you'll always do everything right, but because you have a keeper who holds you fast. I'm glad I don't have to try to hold everything together because I can't hold everything together. But I'm glad that I'm I'm trusting my life to a God, the Lord Jehovah, Jesus Christ, a rock that nothing can move. And so long as I am standing in him, I shall, I shall, I shall not be moved. Your keeper. Some encouraging truths that the psalmist realized as he looked to the Lord as keeper. The first thing he realized that the Lord your keeper will not suffer you to be moved. The second thing we notice that he talks about here is that the Lord, your keeper, will never let you out of his focus. He will never let you out of his focus. Now look back at your Bibles with me. In verse number 3, the latter part of the verse, it says, He that keepeth thee will not, what? Slumber. Now some of you are thinking about slumbering right now. There are only ten of us here today. You can't sleep on me. 
<laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding around with you. But he that keepeth thee will not slumber. And verse 4 says, Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Now, I heard the story about a man who always fell asleep in church. Don't be pointing at anybody, okay? No. I heard the story about a man who always fell asleep in church. And the pastor got so agitated about it that he decided to talk to his ushers about it. And he, he gave his ushers a big, long stick that they could go around and hit the guy in the back of the head whenever he decided to try to fall asleep. And so the next Sunday, they were gathered in church, and, and there they were, and there was the guy. And boy, for about the first 10 minutes, he was fine, but then he started to doze. And so the usher just shimmied on over there and took the stick and hit him in the back of the head. Not just, not, not very, not very hard, just lightly. And the guy popped back up, and he wasn't expecting that. And boy, that worked for a little while. And then after a little while, he started dozing off again. So the usher walked back over there with a the stick, and a little bit harder this time. Hit him on the head. Guy woke back up. A couple, a couple minutes later, he was back asleep again. The usher got frustrated this time, and he went over that way, and I don't think he was in the spirit very much. He hit him hard on the back of the head so hard, he knocked him out of his pew and onto the floor. And the man, without even skipping a beat, he looked up there as, as embarrassed as could be from the ground, and he just shouted out, hit me again, I can still hear him preaching. <laughs> Now, don't try that. That's not very nice, okay? Um, I suppose we've all had our own moments when we've fallen asleep at inopportune times. And I've got some funny stories. I don't have time to tell all of them here today. Can I tell you something? The Lord's never once fallen asleep. He's never even gotten tired. I can't comprehend that. What does that mean for you and I? Well, the Lord in whose care you rest... Think about it. He never gets drowsy. He never needs to take some time off. He never needs to get some rest. So there's not a moment, there's not a second that passes in your life that the Lord does not have His focus right on what you're going through. You see, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28, Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? Friend, God never gets tired. There's never a moment of time when God, when you are not directly in the focused care of your keeper, the Lord God, Jesus Christ. I find that to be a very encouraging thing today. And hey, the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord are upon every sparrow. You can be sure that the God who cares enough to be focused on the status of every sparrow cares enough to care for you, to keep his focus upon you. The Lord, our keeper, he will not allow you to be moved. You don't have to be shaken by these circumstances that are going on. Just trust in the Lord. The Lord's your keeper. He will never let you out of his focus. Here's the third thing the psalmist told us about the Lord, his keeper. He said, the Lord, my keeper, will sustain you with his presence. He will sustain you with his presence. Write it down. He'll sustain you with his presence. In verse number 5, this is what he said, verses 5 and 6. He said, the Lord, thy keeper, the, lo the Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. Now the word keeper that's used here is, is, the, is a Hebrew word that literally talks about here. It's, it's shamar. It's used several times throughout this passage. But here it's literally giving the idea of the Lord being a defender. Just think about that for a minute. The Lord is your defender. In the midst of all these uh, the tumultuous times that we're going through, I'm glad there's somebody looking out for me. The Lord is your defender. The old uh, hymn says, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. Our Lord is our keeper. He's our defender. And that's an encouraging truth. Now what does he defend us from? Well, look at verse number 5 again. The Bible says, the Lord is thy keeper. And then it says, the Lord is your shade upon your right hand. Now that's not a term we use very often, is it? There's a lot of debate about what that's talking about a little bit, but I'll tell you from my study what the Lord spoke to my heart about, what this is talking about, by way of an illustration. When I was a kid, 
Um, my parents could testify to this. I got tall really fast. I've been this tall since really a little bit before, little bit before uh, uh, junior high. I've always been a tall kid. Now, I was a lot skinnier then, all right? But uh, I've always been pretty tall, and so I got bigger than the other kids my age pretty quickly. And I've always been a pretty gentle soul, but I tell you, because I got so big, nobody ever really messed with me because I was always really tall, and they thought I was older. But sometimes they'd pick on my friends, or, some, or some, sometimes they'd pick on some of the other kids. And so every time I saw one of, a, one of a, the kids my age who were getting picked on by somebody else, um, I always wanted to go over and help them. You know, because I was so big when I was young, all I'd have to do was walk up beside him. I'd just stand there. You know, those other kids, they just tend to walk away. They tend to stop talking. They, st- they tended to stop taunting. Why? I was, I was a shadow on the right hand. I was a shadow on the right hand. Do you realize as you walk through life, God is there with you? And whatever circumstance you come to, you don't have to worry about how big or how daunting or how much talk or slander they might want to bring up against you. Because when you have the Lord on your right hand, they don't stand a chance. I'll tell you what, there's nobody else I'd rather have. No other person whose presence I'd like to dwell in than in the presence of the Lord. And so when you live in the shadow of the Almighty, hey, it chases away your, your enemies. The Bible goes on to say in verse number 6, The sun shall not smite thee by day, and the moon by night. You understand, the forces of the sun and the moon, especially in the, in the perspective of that psalmist, were some of the greatest forces to be imagined in the world. I'm going to tell you something. Hey, hey, it doesn't matter what the force is. It doesn't matter what the, what, what the enemy is that's standing against you. If God be for us, who can be against us? The Lord is your keeper. On Friday night, um, I, I, my wife woke me up in the middle of the night. Now, how many of you are really sound sleepers? All right, I am a very sound sleeper. So much so that um, probably all of my kids could be screaming and I wouldn't hear them. So my wife has to get up. It's your turn. <laughs> so uh, she woke me up and said uh, she was she was feeding our daughter, and so uh, I uh, I had to get up to go help Hattie out there. And I walked in the room and she was screaming frantically. And I walked and I walked in the room. And she said, "Daddy, I had a really scary bad dream." So I sat on the edge of her bed and. She, she got up in my lap, and I, I was consoling her. I was giving her a hug. And at some point after that, she just looked at me and said something along the lines of, Daddy, I think I forgot that God is always with me. And I just smiled. I'm, uh, that, that's a proud dad, proud dad moment. Is that okay for me to admit? She said that, and I said, you know, I think you probably did. We just taught the kids in Sunday school two weeks ago, the verse, Hebrews chapter 13. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I reminded her of that verse we'd learned together. And then we quoted it together, and I, and I laid her back down in bed, and, and she got through the rest of the night just fine. But you know, in that whole circumstance, it just reminded me, I have often thought, as we've been going through all this madness with the coronavirus, I have often thought that I could just, I've often wished that I could just wake up and this all be a bad dream. But it's not. It, it's all been reality. And that's a, that's a truth that none of us are going to escape. But you know, the same reassuring truth that God brought to me in that moment to talk to my daughter about is the same reassuring truth that we need to hear in this moment in time. Jesus promised us, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And friend, with God with us, we have no reason to be, despair, to be despairing about the circumstances we're going through, about the enemy that we're facing. With God on our right hand, no, be it the sun, be it the moon, no force of this world could possibly withstand the power of God who is on our side. I like what the Bible says in Psalm 118 and verse 6, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? You can't touch me so long as God is on my side. And as this psalmist lifted up his eyes and looked to the Lord as keeper, he was reminded, hey, He is going to keep me from being moved. 
When he looked to the Lord as keeper, he was reminded he will never let you out of his focus. He was reminded, as we just said, he will sustain you with his presence. But here's the fourth thing he was reminded of in this psalm. Hey, listen to me. He will protect you from all evil. He will protect you from all evil. Look at verse number 7. If you're still with me, say amen. Verse number 7, the Bible says, The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. Now that word preserve there, it carries the idea of protection here in this connotation. And the idea here is that the Lord, he is your protector here. He's going to protect you, the Bible says there in verse 7, from all evil. Now that, that phrase, all evil, is one Hebrew word, ra, and it speaks of uh, wickedness, it speaks of mischief, it speaks of trouble. So the Lord's going to protect you from all of these different kinds of things. And you listen to me, the Bible here is literally telling us God will protect you from all the trouble and hurt that this world can inflict upon you, and he's going to protect you from all the mischief and misery that wicked men and women could try to contrive against you. I like what the Bible says in Jeremiah or Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 17. No weapon formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. I'm glad, I'm glad the Bible gives us those types of promises. Oh, but it gets better. You see, because the Lord's not just going to protect you physically, emotionally, from all evil. But the Bible also tells us that the Lord's protection goes even deeper. The end of verse number 7 says, He shall preserve thy what? Soul. He shall preserve thy soul. Now that word soul, it, it speaks of your inner being. It speaks of the seat of your emotions. It speaks of the, the activity of your mind and your will. That your soul is, is, is the, the person who you truly are in your innermost being. And hey, your soul is the part of you, if you would, that could choose to fear or choose to exercise faith. Your soul is that part of you that on a deep level is being, in, uh, being impacted to some degree by the circumstances that are going around in this world. So let me ask you, have the things that have been happening been afflicting your soul? Do you find yourself retreating into fear? Do you find yourself getting into a state of depression because of these circumstances that are happening all around us? Or do you find that the things that are happening are just inspiring more faith inside of your heart? Either way, you're being impacted on the soul level. And the reassuring thing that we find here is that the Bible says the Lord is your protector. The protector even of your soul. Hey, the Lord can protect you from falling prey to fear from being robbed of your peace and joy in the midst of these circumstances, and he can protect you from living, from having to live in a perpetual state of anxiety, worry, and depression through all these circumstances. When you put your trust in him, that's how you can be kept safe from all of these other things. I like what the psalmist said in Psalm 43 and verse 5. He said, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. I like how the Bible says he's the health of my countenance. Because in the middle of circumstances that may make you want to be depressed and wear it on your face, you turn your affection, your attention to the Lord who has everything well in hand. You trust him. You can smile even in the midst of sorrow. Even in the midst of tragedy. Why? He's the keeper of my soul. He's the protector of my way as I walk through this life. The Lord, your keeper. One more thing the psalmist gives us about the Lord, our keeper. And that is this. He will guard you as you go about your life. He will guard you as you go about your life. Now let's read verse number 8 out loud together. Grab your Bible there. Verse number 8. The Bible says... The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. He shall preserve, the Bible says, thy going out and thy coming in. 
Now here is something I never would have thought we would struggle with and have so much anxiety about in America of all places. Going out and coming in. <laughs> but we, we see it happening all around us. People are petrified, horrified to leave their front door. It's almost, it's almost as, as, they, it's as if so many people think that the coronavirus is hiding in their bushes and it's going to jump out and grab them if they leave their front door. Now, perhaps you haven't taken it that far, but I'm telling you, I've never seen so much fear pervading our society, especially in America. But I want to remind you this morning of what the Lord says here in verse 8. The Bible says, the Lord shall preserve you. That means the Lord is going to guard you. And hear me out, whether you're going out or whether you're coming in, you can go about your business and life knowing that God's got you. He's going to take care of you. And not only that, but the Bible says he's going to do so for all of eternity. Friend, it's not just for today, it's for every day. It's not just for every day, it's for eternity. God promises us, I've got you. You don't need to fret these things. You don't need to worry about these things. There'll never be a time when you're outside of God's care. There'll never be a place that you go when you're outside of God's care. And friend, we have need of being reminded of this. Some of you aren't going to like that I'm, what I'm going to about to what I am about to say, but the Lord put it on my heart to say it anyways. There's going to come a point in all of this hype, and I'm not judging anyone who is taking precautions. If you feel led in your conscience and by your by the Lord's Spirit working in your heart to do so, so don't mistake me. But there's going to come a point where we're going to have to go back to normal life. You're going to have to leave your front door eventually. And the choice to leave your front door should not be because the government tells you it's safe, okay? You can leave now. It should be because you're trusting the Word of God. I'm not saying you should act foolishly. I'm not saying that you should try to put other, people's at, put other people at harm. I'm not saying any of those things, but I am saying there's going to have to come a point for us as the people of God where we stop walking around with a spirit of fear. And we start exercising a courageous faith that the God who has given us all these promises has got our lives well in hand. I will guard you for your coming out and for your going in. So take every precaution the Spirit of the Lord leads you to take in this whole process. But be sure in the decisions that you're making that it is God who is leading you to make them, not the government. And God help us, not the media as well. The Bible says whatsoever is not a faith is sin. You're allowing your choices to be dictated by the script that the media is reading. Then you are not exercising faith. You say, well, if we choose to stay home, does that mean we're not exercising our faith? No, I think for many of you, the choice to stay home was an exercising of your faith and the principles that you felt like the Lord was leading you to make. What I am saying is let God be the one who guides your decisions. Exercise faith in him and not a fear of what man, what this world has to try to say to threaten you. Refuse to cower in fear. Rather, choose to stand in courageous faith today. I like what the Lord told Joshua. In Joshua chapter 1, and verse number 9, He said, Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed. Why? For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. He will, he will never leave us or forsake us. Let's not walk around in fear when God is right on our side. When we have God as our keeper. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And friend, if you really believe the Lord is your keeper, that ought to change the way you approach life. Especially in these times in which we are living here today. And so in the midst of a day when so many people have this downward gaze, they're depressed, they're worried, they're concerned, God invites us to look up. When we look up, we're reminded of our Creator. The one 
who made everything and has us well in hand. When we look up, we're reminded of our keeper. We don't have to be moved. We don't have to live in fear. We can go forward in faith knowing he's got us. We are well taken care of. Now, in conclusion today, in all of these things that have been happening in our day and time, I believe that to a certain degree, certain degree they point us to the fact that there is soon coming a day when this all is going to be done. Literally, some of the things that happen around us in our society have great prophetic connotations. And I don't want to read too much into it. But boy, I look at these things and it just fills my heart with hope. And I like what Jesus said in Luke chapter 21. Now this is not in your notes. I want you to turn over there with me. Luke chapter 21. Because I want to encourage you to go back and read this more yourself later. Luke chapter 21. And for sake of time, we'll start reading in verse number 25. The Bible says, And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity. That's not happening today. I don't know what is happening. The sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts failing them for what? Fear. And for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, read the last phrase with me, church. Then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. <laughs> I don't know if we're nearing the end. I don't know. But what I do know is that for those of us who have believed in Jesus, the end of this earth is only the beginning of eternity. And my hope is not based on whether or not we ever get out of this trial. Because if it doesn't happen here, then we just get to go home. And friend, I'm a pilgrim. Like the psalmist said, I'm a pilgrim passing through this world. And I look to the reminders from the world all around me to remind me that my Lord is my creator, my Lord is my keeper, and he's going to see me safely home. And what a day that is going to be. And so, beloved, lift up your eyes. Stop living in worry. Stop living in fear. Stop living in a state of depression. God has got everything well in hand today. And friend, while everybody else is looking down, there needs to be some, some people of God who are looking up and are looking to try to bring some other people's eyes up and turn their eyes to the one who can help them. Our help comes from the Lord. And friend, as we look to the Lord for our help, I believe God wants to use us to go around and help some other people understand. You're not going to find help from where you're looking for it anywhere else in this world. You'll find your help in the Lord. As much as we need to turn our eyes on Jesus in the midst of this time, we need to allow God to use us to turn the eyes of others to Jesus Christ during this time as well. I want everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes with me.